BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Episode 122 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a Latinx show where I interview the people and discuss the moments that are shaping our American and Latino pop culture. I am very psyched about my guest today. If you've listened to Latin music in the last 30 years, you've heard the songs of Rudy Perez. He wrote this one. And this And this is one of my favorites. That was Vivir Lo Nuestro with Indy and Mark Anthony, El Dolor de Tu Presencia with Jennifer Peña, and Mi Corazón Insiste with Giancarlo's Canela. Now he has a brand new memoir called The Latin Hitmaker, My Journey from Cuban Refugee to World-Renowned Record Producer and Songwriter. And in it, he reveals how he got Christina Aguilera to sing in Spanish, the pressure he felt to write Luis Miguel's next big hit, how Jose Feliciano changed his life, and his dream to one day do a musical on Broadway. It's going to be a fun interview, but before we get into it, it's time I give you my weekly pop culture news recap in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Argentine director Andres Muschietti's It Chapter 2 starring Jessica Chastain will open to the tune of $120 million. Toy Story 4 has crossed the $1 billion box office, making it the fifth movie to pass a billion for Disney and setting a new record. Robert De Niro and Shia LaBeouf to star in crime drama After Exile, and based on the movie Field of Dreams, the Yankees and the White Sox will have a real game at the Field of Dreams location. In TV news, Aubrey Plaza's new comedy Hope will air on Netflix. Ewan McGregor is in talk to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Telemundo buys Argentina's underground producciones, Kevin Hart will star in the superhero comedy Nightwolf, and Univision is begging media companies to buy them. Switching over to music, Jay-Z is partnering with the NFL. Placido Domingo has been accused of sexual harassment. A Princess Diana musical is coming to Broadway this spring, and Juana sings in Spanish with Alicia Cara on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Have a listen. Amor, te siento cerca cuando estamos lejos Porque te llevo aquí en mi corazón No sé perderme de tu amor Quizá mañana cuando estemos viejos Y se nos arrugue un poco el corazón Sabré querer 
And in tech and social media news, Spotify is planning to jack up its prices. Twitter tests hiding direct messages it thinks are abusive. TikTok is flooded by scammers promoting adult sites. Apple is looking for new office space in New York City and could be revealing a new iPhone on September 10th. And Instagram now lets users flag misinformation. The iconic Grammy Award-winning songwriter, producer, and arranger Rudy Perez has released his first memoir called The Latin Hitmaker, My Journey from Cuban Refugee to World-Renowned Record Producer and Songwriter. It tells Rudy's inspirational story from being a young Cuban refugee arriving in Miami to international music stardom. He's produced more than 70 albums, composed over 1,000 songs, Receiver of numerous number one hits, he's written and produced music for the biggest names in music such as Beyonce, Natalie Cole, Jennifer Lopez, Christina Aguilera, Michael Bolton, Luis Fonsi, Cindy Lauper, Julio Iglesias, Luis Miguel, uh, <laughs> and countless other huge names. I welcome Rudy Perez to the Highly Relevant Podcast. Hi, Jack. So so glad to be with you and your audience, man. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm blessed when I hear you say all these all these things you know it, it, it humbles me you know because uh I, when i started out i was sleeping under a console in a recording studio with a mattress that i had and, and had nowhere to live or go at, at this time of my life and i was you know just uh, an assistant engineer trying to figure out the recording world you know and i would have never dreamt that you know people will be talking like that about me. It really humbles me. You know, it sounds to me like this memoir in your whole life is a rags to riches story. Uh, it's that yes. typical American dream. It's the one that uh, Cole Porter sang about. It's the one that George Gershwin wrote about in his music. It's yep. really about the American story, the American dream. Um, but Rudy, why did you want to write a memoir now? You know, uh, I turned 61 years old this year and, and I was talking to my wife and we were reflecting and kind of looking back at my career that began when I was 17 years old. And and I said to her, you know, I have so many stories and so many positive, you know, experiences behind the scenes with a lot of legends and, and also with my struggle, my own struggle of coming, you know, from Cuba at 10 years old with nothing but our clothes on, our parents, you know, my father was in castro's jails for all these years and 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 you know we we almost didn't make it out in, in the last freedom flights to to uh, miami to to liberty and basically getting here and getting thrown into the school system without speaking a word of english and talk about bullying because you know i grew up in in uh in in uh neighborhoods inner city neighborhoods in miami like liberty city and mm -hmm. Alapata. and you know um which was predominantly black and and you know i i didn't know the language so it was tough you know but hey i thank god for all that poverty and everything because i you know i i went to church and i learned to play various instruments in church and my you know my grandfather was a minister and my dad was a pastor and so i you know i kind of grew up like playing in church and learning if the, if the drummer got sick i would be playing drums and so, you know, it was it was a good time and a really tough time, the whole transition from Cuba. So, you know, it, it's 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 been a, a formation of 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 years that has taken me. And yes, this this book is very much a rags to riches story that I wanted to people to to be inspired by. And, and you know, I said to my wife, Betsy, of 36 years, if I can inspire somebody, motivate or encourage anybody, you know, to, hey, Rudy did it. I could do it too. Uh, you know, I just want to spread the message of love and inspiration. Rudy, is it difficult to open up about your private life 
at any yes. point in your life. And, and how did you get through that? You know, it was things I never even told, you know, when, when, uh, when our dear Lord, uh, spoke to me, uh, I, I was just a kid, you know, I had gone through, uh, through a whole, a whole experience of, you know, traveling with a band, you know, when I was like 17, 18 years old, I met this girl, uh, in, in California and I got her pregnant and, you know, I, all of a sudden I was here, here I was 19 years old and I, I, I had a daughter and, and I was going through a lot of faces, uh, you know, where I, where I, you know, cause I took a lot of wrong turns, Jack, you know, in my life, I, I was in gangs. I, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of, but I, that's one of the reasons the book uh, you know, it's it, to me is a very important vehicle for people that, especially young people that may be reading it or listening to our interview right now, that, you know, maybe getting involved in, you know, things that are going to get them into trouble. You know, I, I really believe that that everybody can can make the decision of taking the wrong turn. But man, if you take the right one, there's so many wonderful things that can happen to you. You know, because there's so many great things, especially if you're passionate about something and you put a lot of work into it, you could do anything, man. You could you could you could change the world. You could change pop culture. I had no idea, no idea. And the possibilities, by the way, growing up in the neighborhood, I kept hearing all the old people saying to me, hey, man, don't dream that. Because, you know, when I was young, I used to say, one day I'm going to write songs. I'm going to make people so happy with my music that I'm going to pack a, you know, a whole theater full of people. I'm going to be able to touch people's hearts with my music and I'm going to work with big stars. And, and they used to say to me, Hey kid, don't dream that big, you know, because your future is in this neighborhood, man. You, that you're going to work in that convenience store over there, the gas station or the hardware store. You're never going to get out of here. So, you know, don't, don't harm yourself by dreaming that big. Now that I'm 61 years old, I realize <laughs> they were really, you know, trying to get me to prove them wrong. And and I did, luckily for me and for God that was always there. What was the most difficult thing to talk about in this memoir? Well, one of the most difficult things was when I I got this girl pregnant and, and I had my baby, my dear daughter, Jennifer, who I adore, who's now 40 years old and doing very well, editor-in-chief of a very important magazine for the Miami Herald. and. You know, I'm so proud of her. Um, you know, it was a, it was an experience, a young experience that there, there, there was there was something that happened in my life. And look what a beautiful thing came out, of, which is my my daughter. But when I met Betsy, uh, uh, the first year we were together, Betsy got pregnant and I was so fearful and I had so many, you know, just just. Uh, I could call it fear, man, because it was it was just I, I didn't I didn't want responsibility. I didn't know what to do. I was a kid. I didn't know, you know, I was living in a studio. I was I was I was a mess. And so I convinced Betsy to have to have an abortion of my first son, Chris. Mm -hmm. And this story, my kids didn't even know about it until they, you know, I told them about it, that it was going to be in the book. So this was recent that you told them about it. Yes, absolutely. Because, oh. you know, uh, I, I talked Betsy into going to a clinic. We went to a clinic together, crying all the way there. Betsy was, in, in you know, just inconsolable, man. And, you know, we got there and and there's about 25 girls sitting in the in the waiting room. And, and we got in and they gave her a form to fill. So I was so you know, full of anxiety and just out of going out of my mind. I said, Hey, 
I'm going to go out there for a minute in, in the car and, and just, you know, clear, clear my head. So I went to the, to the car and I sat in the car and all of a sudden, man, everything disappeared around me. I knew I was in the inside of this light because all I could see was a light. And I knew my body was in there and I could feel that I was in there, but I couldn't see anything but the light. And the light started telling me, hey, don't do this. You cannot allow this to happen. Go back in there. Stop it now. And, you know, when I came to and I realized that I was sitting in my car, I ran inside. Luckily, Betsy was about to go in with, with these people. And I took her by the hand. She was 19 years old. I broke the, the contract and I said, you know, I don't know how, but by the grace of God, we're going to have the baby. And, and I love you. And I'm sorry I put you through this. And, you know, when we walked out, it was funny because it was like a movie scene. All the girls started <laughs> clapping and they were all in tears. And and so we, you know, we we prayed for about eight months. At that time, we didn't I don't think that we had uh, tests so you could see the, the child's uh, gender. And, and so we didn't take a, a test for our we just prayed. Pray we wanted a boy. We wanted him to be blonde and we wanted him to be have blue eyes. And man, my son, Chris, came out uh christian and and he is the, the the one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me in my life i remember when i first heard your name was usually coming out of the names of singers on you know el show de cristina and sabado gigante yeah. somebody was always dropping your name whether it was the latin grammys gracias a rudy perez you know it, it was always <laughs> who's this guy rudy perez but he makes great songs um, and so my understanding of your existence was in the Spanish language market. But yes. what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, you're one of those people in the music industry that is known for convincing English language artists to sing in Spanish. And I think that yes. the best example of that was Christina Aguilera's Spanish album, Mi Reflejo. That's what, right. What caused you to come up with that idea? How did well, you, how did the industry... And, and also, how did the industry receive English language artists singing in Spanish? Well, you know, I'm a kid that grew up here since I was 10 years old. So I, I you know, I joined band when I was 12 years old, 13. And I, and, and I, till, till I was 20 years old, I was, I was playing top 40 music. And so I grew up with a very American top 40, you know, uh, pop. Uh, world, even though I, I was, you know, studying classical and studying a little jazz and I was playing gospel and all that stuff. I, I, I had a really pop because really, truthfully, I really wanted to become a pop star myself and as a singer. And I, that's what I really wanted to do. But, you know, I got signed when I was 23 years old to RCA International by Jose Menendez. And you may remember that name because he's the Menendez boy's dad. Who right. They killed. And Jose Menendez signed my first contract. He was the, the, the CEO globally of RCA Records in all languages. And, um, you know, they sent me out to promote my record. And, and um, I get to Puerto Rico to promote my single, which was top five by the time I got to Puerto Rico on, on the radio. And I'm, I'm walking out of an elevator on a Sunday to go get a drink mm -hmm. by the pool. And there's a beauty salon there. And I see one of my all-time heroes, which is Jose Feliciano. <laughs> of course. And Jose Feliciano is sitting there getting a manicure. And, and I couldn't believe it, Jack, because, you know, Jose was to me, he was like a hero. You know, I, I, I Jose started, man, you know, begging for money with a hat and playing an accordion in Greenwich Village, you know, and 
Uh, he he was a hero. He's a Latino that had a top series uh, song with Chico and the Man. He was always in the top concerts, you know. But he was a mainstream then. Latino. Yes, he was a mainstream. He was probably the, one of the first crossovers. I mean, you you will see Santana, you'll see Ricky Martin, you'll see some major legends said, you know, if it wasn't for Jose opening the door to a lot of us, maybe things could have been different. And and he's a he's a pioneer by, for sure. But let me tell you, he is a guy that when I approached him, I, I you know, I, I couldn't believe I was seeing this guy sitting there. So I, I said, you know, I got to go in and say hi and introduce myself. After all, he's from RCA and so am I. So I went inside and I said, Jose, I'm your biggest fan. My name is Rudy Perez and I, I love I love you, man. You've been such an inspiration. And he says to me, you know, Rudy, uh, uh, you're, you're with RCA too, right? And I oh, said, oh, wow, wow. I, I can't believe you know this. <laughs> and he says, and he says, man, you know, there's a song of yours that I love in your album. Jose Menendez played it for me in New York. And there's a song that I would love to cut on my album. And I said, Jose, I, I was shocked. I almost fainted. And he, and he says, like, I, I asked him, I said, what, what song is that? And he goes, que voy a hacer sin ti. So he starts singing this song to me. And I nearly, you know, dropped in the floor. And, and, and so he says to me, hey, kid, you have any more songs like that? Why don't you come up and, and, and have a drink with us in my suite? Wow. He was, by, he was surrounded by a bunch of big people around him, like Tite Cure, who was a big songwriter back in the day uh, in, in Puerto Rico. And, you know, I remember Tite Cure putting his hand around my shoulder and saying, hey, kid, you're, you're in. He likes you a lot. So we got to his suite. And he hands me the guitar and he says, play, play some more songs like that one. And I started playing him some more songs. And every song I played him, he would say, I want that one, too. And I'm going to record that one, too. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he turns to his manager, Rick Hansen at the time, and says, Rick, man, this is the guy I've been waiting for for a long time. This kid is has got the stuff, the next big thing. He's special. This kid, this kid I want him to man i want him to work with me as a producer and as a songwriter because you know when i was playing the song and explaining to jose the the, the form of the song and you know after playing it top to bottom i would i would go and say jose and by the way when you you know when you're singing this part in the chorus the strings are going to be singing this counterpoint right here and then you know the, the the background vocals come in this part you know and he would i mean he was going nuts and so i said listen I'm, I'm, I'm honored to 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 give you my my songs and he said no no i want you to work with me as a producer too so so rick hansen the manager says hey wait wait a minute guys let's take it a step at a time here you know jose uh no offense to rudy you know rudy's a very gifted uh, obviously I, I don't know anything about this you are the expert but you know what you've already hired uh, the top producer in in the market and you know of course you have the best songwriters trying to pitch you songs so uh, and you're a songwriter yourself. So, Jose, I, I think we should look this down the line, you know, uh, look at this down the line with Rudy and maybe next record and you guys can work. And Jose said, listen, Rick, if you don't see this kid's talent, if you don't hear it and you don't see it, you're the only blind person in this room. <laughs> can you I mean, can you believe this? And I and I thought he was going to weak. You know, he was going to cave when 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 Rick said. Yes, Jose, I can, I, 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 I get it, but you know what? We have a contract with RCA. They're going to be, they're going to be going crazy about this idea. What do I tell them? And he said, you tell them that 
I changed my mind and the new producer is and songwriter is Rudy Perez and that's it. And 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 there's no no arguing about this. And that's the way I want things to be done. And man, a month later I was in LA working with Jose and having uh luminary uh you know cast from David Foster. Everybody was on, on, wow. on the album and and uh, it, it, the first thing I do with Jose as a songwriter and producer gets nominated for album of the year and song of the year, which was a song that I co-wrote with my buddy Jorge Luis Piloto that we did. Uh, we did a song called Por Ella with Jose Jose, uh, who was, was at the time one of the biggest stars of Mexico. Yeah. They called him El Principe de la Canción, the Prince of Song. And this guy sold millions of albums. And so, you know, the Cantare Cantaras was going on and I was in the middle of Jose's album. And Cantare Cantaras, as you know, was the We Are The World in Spanish. That's right. And so we went to it and all the biggest stars were there, Julio, everybody. And Jose, you know, uh, Jose comes over. Jose Jose comes to, to say hi to Jose Feliciano. And I didn't know that before they were both famous, they were in a jazz trio that traveled all of Mexico. Jose I didn't know Cristiano that either. Played, yeah, playing guitar and Jose Jose playing bass. <laughs> Holy surreal. Wow. So he, Feliciano turns to me and says, Hey, Rudy, could you write a song for, for both of us to sing on the on the on on the album? No me and I said, Wow, what a privilege. So I called <laughs> I started working on the song in LA and then I called my buddy Jorge Luis Piloto and said, Hey, why don't you finish the song with me? Let's let's get get into it. And we wrote a, uh, basically a story about two guys that are in love with the same girl, but they decide that, you know, they're going to keep their friendship and honor their friendship and let her go and just, you know, and, they, and they're toasting in a bar, you know, to a, to a cocktail and saying, you know, hey, let's toast to her, you know, that, that she'll never know that we were both, you know, head over heels about her. Talk to me about your creative process. I've tried writing a song. It's hard. <laughs> I, I, I get through a verse and then I don't know what to do next. So explain to me why it looks so easy and why when you do it, awards immediately, uh, people immediately comp are compelled to be around you. It's a talent. Is it God-given exclusively or do you have something to do with that as well? Well, yeah, first of all, it definitely is God-given. You know, you have to it's something that I've had my entire life that I don't know why I got it, but I have it. And it's like, I think everybody's special. You know, John Lennon said it best. We all shine on. And I, I really sometimes can't even explain when people ask me, how do I write a song? It's like one of those moments that you'll be, you know, at a dinner with a bunch of people, 20 people. And all of a sudden you, somebody says something, a phrase or something that just bangs something pops in your brain and and all of a sudden you're there talking to all these people but you're hearing this melody and this phrase that somebody in the and and within the conversation said and you're already getting a melody for that phrase and it may be a verse melody or maybe the the leading you know phrase of a, of a course and so it's and you know that nobody else there is listening to this except you it's all in your head you're listening to it and sometimes I say to my wife, you know, um, yes, there's a lot to do with skills. You know, when you become a successful songwriter or I guess movie star, movie uh, script writer, you know, the commerciality comes into place and people, you know, call you and they mm -hmm. expect you to write and, uh, you know, a hit every week. <laughs> so the skills, that's when that just, you know 
comes in, comes in and, and, uh, and starts taking over. But my best songs ha- have been the ones that I have enforced in, 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 in songwriting and in, in inspiration. I, I believe everything in art comes from pain. And I mm. think all the things I went through as a child, all the all the, you know, all the ad- adversities that I that I went in through my life. You know, my brother going to prison for 15 years at, at, at 21 years old and seeing my mother suffering the way she did and, and coming from Cuba and the turmoil of, of being born. And then, you know, three years later, I'm in a communist country and, and my father is arrested and taken to, to prison. I mean, all that crazy stuff. And then growing up in the hood and all that stuff, I think, is what the reason I, I I write songs that people can relate to, I I, I believe, because I felt the pain when I talk about a, a lost love or or something, you know, I it it all goes back to the, that pain that that pain that most artists sometimes talk about it, and and I've never done anything in my life, Jack, for for um, winning an award or or thinking of fame. Today, I see a lot of people that just want to be famous and they just they just want to be successful, famous. They don't care about what the purpose of a true artist is, a true songwriter, a true singer or what, whatever you are, which is basically to communicate and, 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 and give people the the the, uh, the what they what they search for. You know, people have a lot of problems. People people go through a lot of stuff, man. But when they go to see a concert. For that hour and a half, you know, they're, they're completely, they forget everything, all their yeah. troubles, all their, their, their stress. So it's a huge responsibility. And I think if artists are doing it just for success and fame, they're never going to make it. They're truly never going to make it. You got to do it really from your heart to make people happy, to make people, you know, feel something, whatever that is. And I can't never explain how songs come to me. I hear them. I, I I can be watching a movie. I always tell the story about about Ayer from Luis Miguel. That song I, I was inspired by a movie called uh, Somewhere in Time. And later on in years, I got to meet Jane, Jane Seymour, who was the star of that movie. <laughs> and she actually took a CD of Luis Miguel's version uh, with my lyrics translated to what I was saying in in, in Spanish uh, with Luis Miguel into English. And she took it to Steve Reeves, you know, who was a uh, Superman, who was her co-protagonist in, in Somewhere in Time, yeah, and, and told them how that movie had inspired me to write Ayer, which is called Yesterday, and it was a huge hit by Luis Miguel, sold millions of copies, and it was the first single of Arias, the album Arias. I remember. And you know that, I, I was, for 16 days, Jack, I was in my house, everything that I wrote, I had a huge responsibility. Luis Miguel was coming off the big bolero romance album that had sold like seven million albums. oh it was a phenomenon yeah yeah so uh, you know he was doing the latin standards all with lush strings and this young kid with a tuxedo singing beautifully so people ate it up you know like hotcakes and so you know it was my responsibility now to write the first single with david foster and so you know we I start writing and writing lyrics and, and I couldn't come up with anything interesting. I, I thought everything just sucked. It was, <laughs> I, I mean, for 16 days I had papers laying around in my house and laying around and, and I was going crazy. And, and every two or three days, Luis Miguel will call me, Hey man, give me, give me something. Let me hear what, what's going on. I'm dying. And I would say, Hey, you know, I can't spoil the surprise. 
It's coming out incredible. You were teasing and Luis Miguel. Go, oh, my God. <laughs> Every time I hung up with him, I would say to my wife, you know what? I, the next time he calls me, I'm just going to tell him I can't do it. I can't wow. do it. I just can't do this. I was, I was in such stress. And so one night after like 10 days of this, my wife, who always comes to the rescue, she says to me, hey, okay, okay, enough. Tonight, you're going to drop it. Tonight, you're going to go take a shower. And you're going to come and I'm going to cook you a great dinner and we're going to have a bottle of wine and we're going to watch a movie. Okay, tonight you're going to forget and you're going to pick it up tomorrow. So that's exactly what I did. And after we had uh, our dinner and we had a glass of wine and we sit by the by the TV in front of the TV and started watching, changing channels, you know, looking for HBO, the other one. And all of a sudden, Richard Collier is about to begin an incredible journey into another realm another lifetime in search of the love he could never find in this one somewhere in time and it's a story about this 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 guy that through regressions goes back like a hundred years and meets the love of his life a hundred years prior to his existence and falls in love with her and then you know all of a sudden i can't give it up because people have to watch it whoever whoever's interested in listening to this <laughs> it's a movie that if you don't cry you're not a human being and you have no heart <laughs> Right. Okay, so I, I was I was like in tears. My wife was bawling next to me. I mean, we were like we were like so so sad, and so, and so I said, God, thank you, thank you, Betsy. And I hugged her and I said, that's that's my story right there. You know, I've always looked up to the great book writers and storytellers, and you know, this doesn't sound like copying because I never copy anything exactly. It's whatever. If I'm reading a, a beautiful book or I'm reading a beautiful po poise, poetry, I I try to I try to feel what that's doing to me. And sometimes by just reading, it's a it's a most crazy, and it's happened through time. By the way, you know who would have known that the Beach Boys were going to inspire Sergeant Pepper? You know what I mean? Right, that's, right. That's, that's, so it's like it, 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 in artists that happens. You're listening to something or somebody. I always start my my writing sessions by 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 just you know playing a couple of songs, classic songs that I love. You know, recently with the uh, with the uh, Elton John movie, you I mean every every other you know hour I'm sitting at the piano playing one of the, one you know your song or playing "Sorry" seems to be the hardest word mm -hmm. because these are songs that came from the bottom of this guy's heart and and this brilliant lyricist uh, Bernie Taupin. So I, I always believe the songwriters, young songwriters who have the gift, who know that they have it, because you know it if you have it. If you don't, you 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 know, you know you can't lie to yourself. But the people that really are gifted and they know the first thing I would say to kids when I speak in schools, I always tell them, look, learn the songs of the masters, dissect them, learn the lyrics, learn the chord changes learn the different key changes whatever it is the, the the arrangement it's it's very important because something might you know mix with your own stuff and something may be morphing in that situation when you listen to that but not just listen learn how to play it learn how to sing it that's the key i i did a lot of that in my in my time because i played for five years with a top 40 band we were cutting we were singing anything that was in the top 10 in, in any any genre of music mm -hmm. in the united states so you know that's 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 my basically creative uh 
you know, process. Why is pain the source of greatness? Well, you know, it's, man, I always, even with singers, I call it the tear in the throat. You know, only those singers that have that sadness and that tear in their throat, I think those are the ones that become legends. You know, if you look at, look at yeah, Frank Charles. Sinatra. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. You listen to Ray Charles, man, you know, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, so you listen, it, uh, even Barry Manilow, you know, I've come to, to really, uh, appreciate his interpretation of music as oh, if absolutely. he wrote it on his own. You know, um, oh. I went to a concert, like, I don't want to go to a Barry Manilow concert. First of all, it wasn't cool to go to a Barry Manilow concert if you we were a, of a particular young age. And, you know, he's the songs that you heard in the elevator, which is the stuff that people made fun of, you know, easy listening, right? Elevator music. And yep. then I went to his concert and then he sang Mandy and then I lost it. <laughs> and every other song was a monster classic hit. And I said, this dude makes me feel so many ranges of emotions. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm, you know, captivated. And, oh, yeah. and, and you're you're right. Listen to the greats, and and then from there, kind of include your own style, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, Barry Manilow is one of he's a giant. I mean, for, for sure, one of my uh, inspirations uh, of all time. You know, just great inspirations, man. I mean, those those guys changed the world, and they changed yeah. it by being honest. You know, Barry was a piano player behind a lot of people, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. And, and so, you know, the story repeats itself. All these creative geniuses went through a lot of turmoil. You were such a part of Spanish language media, and I never really heard about you in the mainstream media. Why is that? You know, I've never had a manager. I've never had a publicist. I've never had any, any anybody representing me. I Basically, it's always been me, word of mouth, people listening to my work and then artists calling me. You know, I, I, I definitely wanted to be a singer, a song, a song, singer, songwriter and live off of making my own music. But life took me through that. And then, you know, Betsy, I was traveling so much. And then one day she she said to me, look, if you're going to travel so much and not be with us, I'm going to wait for you in Philadelphia with my mom and my sister and the kids. And whenever you're ready to have a family. And you, you know, we'll be waiting for you. And that woke me up and I said, okay, from now on, every artist, every star, I don't care who you are. If you want, if you want to work with me, you have to come to my, to my studio in my home and, and, and work with me and, and my own, cause I'm not going to miss any more basketball games, any more soccer games. You know, my kids are growing and I want to stay. And that's, that's one of the reasons I've always been a recluse, never did a lot of press, you know, Whatever press you've seen me do is basically, you know, because the label asked me to do it or something. But I've, I've never been a guy that likes somebody. One of my old bosses when we started Univision Music Group, um, uh, Mr. Jerry Parencio, who used to own the network. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. He once told me, you know, Rudy, I always tell my executives that the spotlight fades, fades the suit. <laughs> and 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 people people behind the scenes and behind the stars should remain that way and not try to be and, and i took that to heart and i remember you know hey uh, you know i i turned down a lot of interviews with christina many times he wanted to do a whole you know program about me and i i always told her christina what am i you know or or, or let's say 
Julio Iglesias was in the show and she wanted me to be there. And I said, Christina, okay, wh what am I going to do in your show? Basically take precious time from you and Julio. Because all I'm going to say is exactly what you're saying and everybody else is oh, saying yeah. that he's great. Reaffirm great. his greatness, right. That's right. And so, you know, I, I, it makes no sense to me, you know, and, and I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm very private and I don't want to tell a lot of the stories uh, that I got to live that are exclusive to me and my, and my soul with those artists, you know, and uh, some artists are, are very private and they don't like that. So I always respected them. And, and just like I know they respected me and I've always been a family guy, man. After I finish my work, all I want to do is hang with my, my kids, my wife, my friends go to a dinner. You know, I always say that I work for, for a good dinner and a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> To this day, I don't have, I, I, I don't handle my business. Luckily, my, my, my wife has been doing it for so many years now, but now we have a great manager by the name of Mike Atkins, who is a dear friend and I've worked with him for many years and God put him in my life again. And just like me, he's a Christian man, you know, with great values and family and decent guy, which is hard to find in this kind of a, atmosphere of, of, of the music business to find people that after 30 something years they nobody speaks bad about them you know have a in, impeccable track record and mike when i was you know working for his artist like jackie velasquez i remember her yeah you know um even though i was on the other side he was representing jackie and her best interest he didn't allow he was the first manager that did not allow for me to get screwed in the contract. He would, you know, he would make sure that I was taken care of and I was paid properly and compensated properly. And he fought for me. And that, that really made me see, uh, you know, wow, this, this man is a real decent guy, you know, because all, all, you know, I've never, I've never done anything for money to this day, Jack, I, I, I can promise you that it, that, you know, I, I don't like to swear. But I can promise you that I don't know how much money I make. I don't know how much money I, I have. I just, I just get up every day. My wife takes care of a lot now with Mike. And I'm free to just create like just I've always create. had. I, yeah. I just get up every morning and go make music. You know, either score or, or, or something for a movie or a trailer for a movie. Or do some film commercial or work with a star. You know, my life is that. And now I'm an author. And, 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 and I... I didn't even want to do the book, but Mike, my dear manager, said to me, look, Rudy, you have such an amazing story. Just consider writing the book. So I, I started, you know, like I said at the beginning, reflecting on this long career. And I said, hey, what the hell? I'm going to do it just to inspire people and be able to, to motivate them that if they have passion for something, they could go make anything happen to never drop, you know, drop the throw in the, the towel and never give up on your dreams. You know, you, you've talked about how you've composed music for film, you've composed music uh, for other artists, TV. What about Broadway? It's funny you mentioned that because I, I just recorded and I'm going to put him out sometime. I haven't put him out yet because uh, the book was priority first. But uh, at some point, I'm going to put a collection of the best uh, like Broadway and, and show tunes uh, of all time dedicated to my dad both in english and spanish two albums and they're called piano bar <laughs> i love just, it and it's just basically me and a couple of other guest piano players 
and uh, and and ba- uh, an upright bass drummer and and uh, Ed Kaye on on saxophone, you know. And it's uh, Arturo Sandoval also did a duet with me <laughs> with uh, the great Sam Moore of Sam and Dave. Are you guys going on tour? I mean, come on, get the band together, man. <laughs> come to New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> Go to Brooklyn. Well, we're, we're definitely looking at. Uh, we've been talking to uh, Feinstein's, you know, and because we want to do a couple of nights there, we also want to do uh, something uh, at, at the at the winery there too. And so, we, my manager's been talking to a lot of those places because I enjoy it, man. I love those songs. You know, nobody wrote better songs than those guys. You know, the the Gershwins, the Rogers and Hart, you know, Bird Bacharach, those, uh, Hal David. I mean, those songs are immortal. But but here here's the thing, Rudy. For example, right now we're going through a moment where Lynn Manuel Miranda is really the only source of uh, music coming from a Hispanic in on Broadway right now. And we had uh, Gloria Stefan's "On Your Feet," which is a lot of the songs that you know they wrote. Um, but we need a new voice. We we need a Rudy Paris to come in with a collection of songs. Maybe it's the one from your own catalog where you write stories around the music and they could either be bilingual or in Spanish, right. which I think would be a hot thing. But you gather a bunch of major celebrities, white and Hispanic, right, um, around your music and pitch that as a story, whether it's a Cuban romantic story of the 1950s, which is something I've been wanting to see on Broadway forever. That's great. Around Rudy Paris's music that you either compose specifically for the show, much like Harry Connick Jr. has done many, many times. Recently, Sarah Bareilles just took out new songs and created Waitress the Musical from it. You know, that's a great, great idea, Jack. And, and you know, that's uh, the we. You know, I thought about um, like Mamma Mia, for example, uh, uh, Anderson, uh, Bjorn Anderson, one of the members right, of, ABBA, of ABBA. And I had a, had a chance to have dinner one time when when uh, Universal Music wanted to to do a Latin, uh, you know, kind of tribute, Latino tribute to their music, uh, having some of the biggest stars sing their songs, but in Spanish, fully in Spanish. And. And so they hired me to not only produce the whole thing, but write all the lyrics. And, and I got together with him and we talked about it. And he told me about Mamma Mia, what they were doing. And this is before, it be, you know, it, it really got big. And, uh, and I thought, I definitely thought about it. I just never thought I was as big as something like Abba, you know. And I, but now everything goes. Because if you look at Limanuel, look at Limanuel. I mean, he's relatively new. And he's been around for a while, but, you know, his big, big moment has come from this big show that he's had, which is Broken Hamilton, All Records. right. And I applaud him, you know, for that, especially, like you say, because he's a Latino and he's, and he's winning, man. But it's also a different aesthetic. It's, a, it's also a different audio aesthetic. And yes. it fits perfectly there, but we need different styles. And your style is so... Um, it's so prevalent. It's so piercing. Like, you know a Rudy Paris song when you hear it. Oh, thank you. Bro. And and so for me, I think that it's absolutely imperative that you uh, 
think about coming to Broadway because your voice is extremely needed at this moment where we feel that we're one step away from becoming mainstream within the Broadway field. We need more Latino stories. We need more Latino voices. You know, this year, I, I don't know if you know that I started the uh, with my, my, my good friend Desmond Child. We, um, we started the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, we, we found that, you know, it was mind-boggling to me that 300 years of Latin composition had been happening for for such a long time, man. And nobody, we didn't have a, a, a real true, you know, songwriters hall of fame for the 20 Latin countries and all genres of music to honor these, these amazing unsung heroes, because uh, these unsung heroes are the ones that, you know, like I always say, I compare them to those beautiful skyscrapers in New York that you look at and you say, wow, and you only see the facade, the, 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 you know, the exterior and you're looking at, but, but, but man, the pillars and all the, that are inside are the ones that are holding everything together. And those are the songwriters. They're, they're the ones behind the scenes, the ones that rarely get the credit, usually get screwed. Everybody, you know, makes money around a song and create careers and they go on to become multi-gazillionaires and the songwriter is the one that always gets the last straw you know he's the that's why we've been I fighting know. a lot I, you know i'm on the board of ascap and we've been fighting a lot for the rights of uh, of of uh, you know I'm, I'm honored that that ascap uh, chose me to be the first really hispanic person ever to sit on on the hundred and and four or five year old board you know uh it's 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 a privilege to me to be a part of that that organization and we've been fighting a lot for the rights and luckily now we've passed the mma and so everybody's looking forward to uh, a new industry where where songwriters are going to be respected compensated correctly and um and just you know have more look at the lopez's for example uh, uh the, the 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 couple lopez you know who who wrote you know uh the frozen soundtrack and Coco. Oh, and, right. Uh, I believe they're Filipinos. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're wonderful. I mean, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. And, and these, these people, when I see that, no matter if they come from the Philippines or they come from Colombia or they come from, from wherever it is, you know, I, I think Broadway in a way is, it's, it's going to start changing. Like you say, because already it did with, with Le Manuel. And now, you're totally right. We have to continue to inspire yes. not only people like myself, but inspire writers that, that would like to keep, you know, yes. Broadway alive. Absolutely. Because in this world of technology, the, you know, those classic things are in danger of extinction. Absolutely. Look, I can I can see you do uh, a set of mariachi songs or or, or, or a scene with trios, yes. you know, and everything. Oh, my God. Hey, Rudy, man, you got to hey, do this, Rudy. What What about this, Jack? What about, you know, uh, a Broadway show and, and call it Bolero? That's and right. Tell the, and tell the stories of how the Bolero music started and, 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 and tell, the, you know, be, the, the, the uh, acting will be just like Mamma Mia as part of the lyrics of the song. Oh, and, I can see the girl in the balcony already and the trios yeah. and the boleros yeah. being sung in this romantic, beautiful thing. But the, by the way, Xavier Cougat made it extremely famous back That's in right. the 1930s and 40s when he was singing That's those right. types of music, those boleros and trios. That's um, right. My, the final thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation, Rudy, and we could be here you know, for hours, but... Pop ballads like Sin Banderas Kilometros, 
songs like that seem to have lost interest with radio programmers. Why do you think that is, and has that been bad business for Rudy Perez when you hear reggaeton being top 50 in the top 50, you know, Latin song charts? Oh, you know, man, I, I really respect everything and everybody, and I, and I respect all genres of music. I just think... I just think if you give people, you know, uh, spaghetti and meatballs or even steak and potatoes every day, it's going to be a time where people are going to be really, really hungry and, and desperate for something else. And and in the mainstream market, we don't have that situation where everything has turned into a specific genre of music. You know, you still have you still have Christian pop. You still have traditional R&B. You still have adult contemporary and you have many stations that cater to all these tastes because not everybody wants to dance, you know, not right. everybody wants, not everybody wants to. And I can, I can see how the youth today is, is, is kind of uh, straying away from falling in love because I think they feel love hurts or it's a, it's a mm. commitment. And I think young people today are, are, are more focused on, on other things. And I, that's, and I think that's why the, the phenomenon of dance music and in the case of the Latin thing with reggaeton, I, I agree with Mantovani, where, where the great conductor that, that once said, you know, music is either good or it isn't. Hmm. And, and, and this is, I, look, I, I, I know there's good reggaeton. I know there's horrible reggaeton. And I, I just hope that the industry comes together and gives different flavors a menu so people can choose okay i want to go to this station because over here they play my favorite ballads and and if radio doesn't do that it's going to die and it's going to completely go away and people are just going to go into streaming and do their own playlists and you know what and it's going to screw up their their enormous business they should actually give more flavors to people so that they can stay in business for a long time because like I said, n not everybody wants to just dance and people want to fall. in. I, I said, yes, if if people fall in love and fall out of love, I'll always have a job. But in these days, in right. these days, nobody's falling in love. <laughs> Every, <laughs> in these days, everybody just wants to dance. And so while that happens and things come back and by and by the way, I have famous artists that call me all the time that are that are famous artists in the ballad scene. They call me up and said, Rudy, can't can't you do something about this? And I'm always <laughs> saying, I'm always saying, look, I believe that if you oversaturate something, eventually it's going to take, you know, it's going to just it's going to just completely uh, have another thing come in that's going to uh, that's going to change things. And hey, man, the first thing you learn in the Bible about God is that you know He created and. Basically, I just want to continue creating for the rest of my life until the good Lord take, takes me in. And, and, and when I go, when I go, I just want people to remember me and say, you know, with a smile, wow, you know, this, this guy really helped me through some tough times with his music. Or just plainly have a smile when people hear my name. The name of the book is called The Latin Hitmaker, My Journey from Cuban Refugee to World-Renowned Record Producer and Songwriter. Rudy Perez. Thank you Thank so much for the conversation. Thank you so much, Jack. I so appreciate you promoting my book and having this chat with you. It was really wonderful. And my best to you, your family. God bless you all and all your audience. Pero me acuerdo de ti.
And before I say goodbye, here are three tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Pa mi entero, Marisa Moore. Al amanecer, Mogli. Yo por ti, tú por mí, Rosalía Osuna. That's it for episode 122 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Rudy Perez for hopping on the show. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please spread the love on social media and tell all your friends about it. You can reach me on Instagram at Jack Rico and my Facebook page at Jack Rico 40. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.